Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, 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 Gisters. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of The Gist of It. Today is Tuesday, February 27th. I'm Ellen Hislop, back from vacation. And I'm Steph Rod, so happy to have you. Oh my gosh, you and Lauren held down the fort when I was away. Y'all did such a great job. We're your co-hosts today, and I am so happy to be back on the mic because we're talking about my favorite sport, which is soccer. There are sadly two ongoing labor disputes, actually, though, that's happening in the soccer ecosystem. We're going to start with our beloved Canadian women's national team, or CanWint for short, who are suing Canada soccer in the midst of their CONCACAF W Gold Cup tournament run. This has been an ongoing story as our footballers continue to fight for equitable treatment. And I'm glad that we're going to have the space to dig into all of this today because it is pretty nuanced and there's a lot of history here too. Yeah, I'm really glad that we're talking about it because I saw one of the news headlines flash across my social media feed and I was just praying we would talk about it on the pod because Mm -hmm. I couldn't even wrap my head around it in that moment in time. So we are here to help you do that if you are like me in that sense. So that's part one. And then part two of the podcast, we're going to kick it over to the men's side of the game where there's another labor issue that we will be discussing. Unionized MLS referees are campaigning for a new collective bargaining agreement, but the league has employed replacement refs amid a lockout. So the employer is locking out their referees. So bit of messy situation you could probably say and it's very crucial to discuss for the health of the sport the mls game yes a lot to get into today i want to start off with something a little bit more lighthearted. no one can see seth right now but seth is wearing what might be my new favorite sweater of hers which is essentially a big red crew neck sweater with a painting seth of a dog. And what type of dog is that again? A Boston Terrier. A Boston Terrier. It's a black and white Boston Terrier because Steph has a Boston Terrier. I saw it at the Toronto Vintage Show. Shout out if anyone knows what I'm talking about. Hanging up across the convention center and I ran to the vendor and was like, that, I need that. <laughs> I'm so glad that you did. For those of you that don't know, Steph has the cutest, littlest baby Boston Terrier, CC, And she's brown and white though. Yes, and she is going to live forever. She is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She has the Philosopher's Stone, actually. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to say <gasps> yeah. <laughs> is that oh Harry Potter? God. Okay, yeah, so that's Harry Potter. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> my God. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot going on in culture right now that we need to talk about. We've talked about your fashion. We do need to talk about oh. what's happening <laughs> in Major League Baseball's world y'all if you haven't seen major league baseball's new uniforms yet please google and you might see something so i'm gonna like warn you right now but please google the new mlb pants essentially nike has designed these new uniforms fanatics made the uniforms in what the league is calling more breathable material but those white pants are pretty tight and white already as it is and now they're more breathable and so it's resulted in 
see-throughness that none of us really needed nor wanted to see, I think, from a lot of these MLB players. <laughs> it's sparking quite the conversation online. I do feel bad for the players because some of these photos are are quite graphic. They don't leave much to the imagination. No. But I will say it is sparking quite the fun joke <laughs> train on Twitter and other platforms because, yeah, they're quite the show. And so people are saying it's like MLB's way of getting more viewers, modernizing baseball, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of really good tweets out there if you are interested that don't involve pictures of the players if you do feel a little bit bad about looking at those. Yeah, or a little smiley face around mm -hmm. certain areas so that mm -hmm. you can still feel comfortable looking at the players. They also updated the actual jerseys, so the t-shirts that they wear and the letters of the last names are a lot closer together and a lot closer to the numbers too, which has been pretty interesting. Some teams have actually decided I'm not going to wear this in spring training and they've opted to wear their 2023 jerseys instead, which is quite interesting. Very, very interesting. We'll see how this rolls out from the Fanatics PR standpoint. Uh <laughs> Because it's definitely one of those situations. And before we move on, though, Ellen, I do want to talk about your vacation real quick. Oh, yeah. So you were away. You were doing I was sporty away. things. I was was it sporty safe things. for you to be doing these sporty things with your injuries? Oh, yeah. I talked so about this with a mutual friend of ours, and we were debating if it was safe. Were you wondering? No, I really yeah. appreciate that. So for those of you who don't know, I went to Quebec, went to Le Massif, which is an amazing mountain, kind of an hour north of Quebec City, for those of you who are familiar, which also, <gasps> we went to Quebec City, Steph, too. You did? Cutest freaking place ever. Was that your first time? No, but it was just okay. reminding me how cute it was. Oh, it's perfect. If, if anyone, it's a UNESCO heritage site for those of you who are potentially interested in visiting Quebec. And it's so cute and the food is so good. And you just want to walk around and pretend that you're French all day long. It was amazing. But anyway, so we went to Le Massif and I was skiing. And what's great stuff when you're talking about the Achilles, ski boots, you really can't move your legs. And so it's really hard to tear anything. You could you ruin your knees like a decent amount in skiing, but it's really hard to ruin your Achilles. So I'm not allowed to snowboard right now, my doctor said, but I am allowed to ski. So it was awesome to get out and my calves felt really good. So thank you for asking. But the funniest part is that we were staying at this all-inclusive resort, which was very cool. I've never done that for a ski vacation beforehand. And we knew that this place was family-friendly. But we didn't realize that it was essentially for families and that it was the spring break for New York and Massachusetts. And so this place, we thought that we were going away for a cutie little couples retreat, go to the jacuzzi after the ski hill, whatever, flooded with kids, kids <laughs> everywhere, little monsters just running around. We'd be at the buffet, turn around, boom. <laughs> kids running around, <laughs> tapping us on our shoulders like, what time is it? I need to be somewhere. It was... <laughs> wild it was like fast forwarding 10 to 15 years of my life of like oh my god there are kids everywhere what have we done I kid you not Steph we were probably the only couple there without kids until the end of the week when people knew that that break for Massachusetts and New York was done don't tell your parents that <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> oh my god do you not get the pressure you're the eldest daughter to make the mm. grandchildren no, I don't. Oh, shout don't. out. Shout out. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, no, shout out. They're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> My mom was like late in life. Not late, but like, you know, for that time. Anyway, so that's a lot of my family up as well. 
Um, but yeah, it was really nice being in the great outdoors for four days. It was freezing, but so lovely. Oh my gosh. I love the great outdoors. I'm so jealous that you got to be around snow, which makes and everything sun. so much brighter, so much sunnier, it reflects all of the light. And thinking about all of that magicalness that comes with being outside, we do want to give a massive shout out to today's sponsor, which is Gooder. L, remember last year when we decided to try and learn how to play softball? Do you remember that? Remember? (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to try a new sport this year, and I actually got gifted a pickleball set from my partner for Christmas, and I know that you are worried for me because that's how you injured yourself, but... I'm going to try my best to take all of your learnings and just give the little bit of a craze a sweep. Just, you know, dip my toe in the pickleball court, if you will. And thankfully at gooder.com, you can actually shop by sport, which is so helpful. I already have one of their single lens pairs, which is really sick vibe. You know what I mean? They're called the Voight Comp Vision. And I'm now interested in artifacts, not art of feelings, which I found in the pickleball section. So I'm already dreaming about sunnier days here in Toronto. And beyond pickleball, there are curated collections for running, golf, cycling, whatever your sport is. Even better, our pals at Gooder have set up gisters with free shipping on their first order. So just visit gooder.com slash the gist and use the code the gist, that's in all caps with no spaces, to snag the deal. Again, that's g-o-o-d-r.com slash the gist with code the gist for free shipping. And Tag us in your new settings on the pickleball court. Sunday marked the second win for the number 10 Canada National Women's Soccer Team or CanWint in the inaugural CONCACAF W Gold Cup. Decisive victories over number 104 El Salvador and number 50 Paraguay bode really well for our team. Spoiler alert, I am Canadian. (laughs) And CanWint has officially cleared the knockout round of that competition. As expected, everyone thought that they were at least going to be making it into, I'd say the quarterfinals and probably the semifinals, but off the pitch, there's been a lot going on. Unfortunately, Canwin has been facing a daunting battle off the field that underscores the gender inequity in Canada's highest levels of soccer. Last week, the Canadian Soccer Players Association, which is the union that represents players on Canada's women's national team, filed a $40 million lawsuit against 15 current and former board members of Canada Soccer, which is the sport's governing body. The lawsuit alleges the board is responsible for negligence and breach of fiduciary duty, which essentially means they failed to protect players from exploitative financial deals. The specific deal in question is a 2018 deal that Canada Soccer made with Canada Soccer Business or CSB for short. CSB is a privately owned commercial agency that negotiates sponsorship and media deals on behalf of Canada soccer organizations from the grassroots to the pro levels. Through the deal, Canada Soccer gave marketing and sponsorship rights for both the women's and men's national teams to CSB for an annual fee, one that completely undervalued both squads. It pains me. It makes me so mad. Mm -hmm. According to the suit, Canada Soccer sponsorship deals are estimated to be worth $15 million to $20 million (gasps) annually. But because of that deal, Canada Soccer only receives an agreed-upon fee of $3.5 million from CSB, who retains the rest of that earned value. It's a very long contract with options for renewal and all these just wild things baked into it. It's so bad. And this is for the 10th best team in the world, a team that won the last Olympics, a team that is selling out stadiums when they're hosting. And 
a men's team that's also on the up and up too when you're looking at them finally reaching the World Cup. It's just mind-boggling to me who did the math on that and who actually agreed to it. So it makes sense. The disparity between the sponsorship value of Canwin and actual money Canada Soccer received is at the crooks of the matter. This is more than just a bad deal. It is one that actively impedes the success of players. Not only, Steph, were they not paid throughout 2022, which is something that we talked about on the podcast, I think it was last year when they were protesting during the She Believes Cup because they still hadn't earned their money. They also weren't provided enough funds to actually succeed as athletes. So when it came to training, when it came to proper exhibitions, when it came to traveling, all of these potential earnings, et cetera, et cetera, the infrastructure and support that Canada Soccer was able to offer its women athletes and arguably its men athletes was not up to par. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, these claims are completely on brand for Canada Soccer. Ken Wint has been negotiating a new labor agreement with the organization since 2021 when the team's previous deal expired. That's a long time to go without a new deal. There is some common practice to go maybe a couple months maybe a year at most, but 2021 to present is a very, very long time. Without an agreement in place, Ken Wint threatened to strike at last February She Believes Cup if they were not granted equal pay on par with the men's national team. It didn't really end up getting resolved either. Canada Soccer threatened legal action if the players did not participate. So the players ended up playing the tournament under protest. You might remember them wearing purple t-shirts essentially in protest when they were playing at the She Believes Cup and a lot of other countries supporting them too, the U.S. Women's National Team, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Federation threatened to sue the players individually if they ridiculous, didn't play, which is absolutely ridiculous. And of course, is not something that you can afford to do if you haven't been paid in so long. <laughs> and you're not getting paid well, even when you are getting paid. Like these are exactly. women's soccer players. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to last March when it was reported that Ken Wint's funding was on quote unquote life support ahead of the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. That raised a lot of questions about Canada Soccer's financial practices, which led actually to the Canadian Parliament grilling the National Soccer Org about its finances. And so, Steph, today we're talking about how the players are suing for $40 million because of everything that we basically talked about in Canada soccer not doing their job. When the Canadian Parliament kind of dove into everything last March, they did raise the issue of Canada soccer devaluating its national teams by selling those marketing and sponsorship rights for $3.5 million a year. And that stuff is through 2027. Bananas. This was at a time, too, when... Both teams, the men's and the women's teams, were growing at a rapid mm-hmm. rate. So there really are no excuses because it's not like, oh, all of a sudden they grew. No, it was the bread was in the pudding. The pudding was in the bread. Whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever that saying is, that was what was happening. The proof like, was it, in the pudding. Proof the was bread, in the pudding. The bread is also... <laughs> mm, <not hungry. laughs> the bread is also in the pudding, but the proof and the bread. That makes it. So just to kind of circle back, they are the lawsuit is against the board members themselves. Mm-hmm. Like the the yeah. Which is pretty telling. They're like, oh, you're gonna sue us individually when we were at mm-hmm. the She Believes Cup. Now we're gonna come after you individually as board members. I'd be shaking in my pants if I was them. That 40 million though, to me, stuff, honestly, I'm like, that doesn't feel like enough. Mm. I don't know. If you're not getting paid, you have so many different arguments. If you were looking at how you could have grown as a player, as an organization, as a coach, as an athletic trainer, all of this sort of stuff, because these people don't know how to negotiate a deal properly. Like, come on. 
Yeah, like you're doing your end of the bargain. You're playing. You're exactly. showing up. You're winning gold medals. for. You're driving Olympics. people to tune into the games. You're the one selling jerseys. You're the great product on the field. You're the one who's driving podcasts to be talked about and newsletter articles in this entire media ecosystem. And they can only somehow make $3.5 a year. And then they don't even manage that $3.5 properly. I don't know. Obviously, this is us hearing and reading and looking at everything from what we see that's been shared across the media, right? What we fact check across the media. We do want to say there's always two sides to every story. I'm sure that those who are representing the board on Canada Soccer have some very valid arguments on the other side potentially as well, but it's still worth us sharing that this $40 million suit is coming down and this is kind of why. Looking for a new book to read this month? You can join the Just Very Own Book Club. What a fantastic idea. This month, we're reading Us Against You by Frederick Bachman. Join the gang on the Fable app. Just search the Gist for ongoing discussions for this month's pick and next month's pick and the month after that. And hopefully we'll see you there. Okay, so shifting from Canada soccer to MLS, there are ongoing labor disputes between Major League Soccer and MLS referees. Those labor disputes have not only stalled, but have turned a little bit nasty as the league used non-union replacement refs to open the season, which, Seth, you as a, a person who's part of a union, bad, bad. Yeah, we call those scabs. Scabs? Yes. Okay. Someone who crosses the picket line during um, Mm. a labor dispute, Mm -hmm. but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So first, let's chat how we got to this point. MLS referees are members of the Professional Soccer Referees Association, or PSRA. These union officials technically work for the Professional Referees Organization, or PRO, which employs match officials across U.S. professional soccer leagues. The PRO, PRO, is MLS's partner in negotiation. So A lot of acronyms there, really it's PSRA, PRO or PRO, and then of course, Major League Soccer MLS. Mm -hmm. And the PSRA in this case would be the employees and the PRO would be the employer in this particular situation. Great point. The labor dispute stems from the PSRA's collective bargaining agreement or the CBA, the negotiations around that. The union's previous CBA, which was ratified in 2019, expired on February 12th, nine days before the start of the MLS season. So February 12th of this year of 2024, Mm -hmm. the expiration came after two extensions to try and negotiate with the pro. While the PSRA and pro did forge a tentative new agreement, the PSRA warned the pro that it would likely not pass their membership's vote. And it really didn't. The proposal was resoundingly rejected by the union's membership on February 17th, with nearly 96% of the union's voting body against it, which is, that's a huge percentage. Unions <laughs> usually do not vote in that way. I, that's in my, an A plus. In my experience. <laughs> like they were all on the same page. The mm-hmm. union cited multiple issues they felt weren't adequately addressed in the proposal, including a below expectation economic package and failure to improve quality of life adjustments. This includes better travel standards, which are crucial considering refs spend upwards of 200 to 300 days a year on the road. Being a ref for a pro sport is a serious freaking job. The training that they have to go through, the backlash that they get when games go wrong, how they have to stay on top of the game and how things are changing it's a really difficult job especially considering mls they're up to something like 85 games when you look at the entire season now stuff mm-hmm. 
I think about that a lot, which is why I personally don't partake in you suck ref chants at games because no, to me, it's bad. It's really bad. It's a really hard job. It's fairly volatile. I used to be a ref. Yes, you I did. used to be a soccer ref. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about becoming a ref countless times, and I just know I won't be able to take the heat. <laughs> yeah, I always did the kids ones, and even as a kid, refing kids, I was like, these parents are wild, let alone thinking about people who might be betting on the games, people who have been living their whole lives waiting for their team to finally win the championship. There's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. According to the PSRA, the proposed agreement from the employer in no way did enough to accommodate for the increased demand on officials. So the travel time, the travel time itself, the game increases, all of that compounds on itself, right? At one union protest, a member estimated that about 50% of PSRA members work second jobs to make ends meet. And like you said, this is a very demanding job. You have to train, you have to be certified, mm -hmm. you have to be in shape, all that good stuff. Referees were paid a measly $337 for last month's exhibition match between FC Dallas and Inter Miami. And that particular game drew 32,000 fans. And I'm just assuming that that flat rate fee doesn't accommodate for travel, all the other time that goes into it. Like as a ref, the time on the field, obviously is just a fraction of all of that. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's hard. That's so interesting to me. As a ref, I was paid very well. I you were, loved eh? that job. Oh my gosh, I was paid so well. I thought that it was the best job ever. But clearly, times have changed and maybe that was just our association where I ref too. So anyway, um, this is not about me. Without <laughs> a ratified CBA, the pro offered a no lockout agreement to continue negotiations and keep PSRA members officiating as the MLS season began, which is so wild that started in February is so early anyway, but it came with a labor dispute red flag. The PSRA would not be permitted to strike, which we all know is important to have that option for unions. The union refused not having that ability to strike. So the pro lock them out, meaning they cannot work until an agreement is met. We've seen lockouts in a lot of different sports before. I think for us, Seth, we probably look at the NHL lockout in the early 2000s. MLB had a lockout. A lot of it is when the players and the league aren't able to come to an agreement, but this is kind of a different form of lockout uh, within the sports ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to the league's need for <clears throat> replacement refs because it's starting. The season is here. Without their normal refs available to officiate matches, the MLS season has started with replacement refs. Unlike PSRA officials, these replacement refs have wildly varying levels of experience from having true professional games under their belt to only having refed college games and some even just youth officiating experience. Like me out there, literally. That's terrifying. <laughs> That's a terrifying thought. And I think, Seth, too, this isn't just a labor shit show, I guess you could say. Having officials who likely aren't familiar with MLS's standards or new rules, the pace of the game, etc., is downright dangerous for both the players and the refs. Many MLS fans and players noted that the season's opening was marred with inconsistent or slow officiating. For example, Inter-Miami's opener against the LA Galaxy had a full seven minutes of stoppage time in one half. Much of that was due to slow calls. Even superstar Leo Messi was wagging his finger at the ref in that game, which Messi's going to wag his finger at a lot of different refs, but I do think that these players who are also getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to someone like Messi, millions and millions of dollars in the same way they come out there and they're like hey we are professional athletes we deserve the best in the same way that can went was saying that they deserve the best they're looking for the referees to match them and it becomes really unsafe if a referee is not able to call a match properly would these refs too even have experience with var coming from these different levels 
Some of them could, some of them wouldn't. A lot of them would have an idea of like in theory how it would work, but it wouldn't be at the same level as all of the other MLS officiants would be used to it. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's interesting. It's not a good look. As the dispute continues, things have been getting pretty chippy upon all parties involved. The pro filed what's called an unfair labor practice or ULP charge against the PSRA last week. And that ULP claims that one of the PSRA's executive board members unlawfully threatened and coerced potential replacement refs by saying that future employment opportunities would be withheld should they go and become a replacement ref. So essentially it's saying that there's one board member that is threatening potential scab. So scab is what's called someone who crosses the so-and-so like metaphorical or real picket line to fill these vacant jobs, um, Mm -hmm. these jobs that are only vacant because the employer hasn't either negotiated in good faith, hasn't set a deal, has locked the employers out, the employees are on strike. There's all of these reasons why they would try and bring in replacements. So the employer is saying, that this union is basically operating in bad faith because they're threatening potential employment from these people who step up to be these replacement refs. So that is, Mm. which makes sense. There is generally like a shared sentiment in a union that you don't want to quote unquote cross the picket line, even though they're not on strike, they're locked out here because it really weakens their power as a union if people are willing to take up and step into these jobs. They're still called scabs even if they're not part of the union. Yeah. Okay. It's a weird history. I tried to look up the history of that particular word, and it starts all the way back in the 17th century in terms of like a word that just meant someone of bad moral faith Mm. in the 1800s became associated with unions of people who didn't want to unionize. And it has a pretty long history, but it's not quite clear where it comes from. She's a linguistics major. I love it. So there was a couple other ULPs filed against Pro earlier in January. Like there's a lot of stuff going back and forth. But as it stands, PSRA members have been picketing and will continue to do so. Negotiations will reportedly resume between the two parties tomorrow, which is Wednesday the 28th. But at this time, there will be a federal mediator present, which is probably a good move considering the recent drama and how heated it is and how heated fans are and things like that and the players are too. But until the pro officials are back on the pitch, MLS games are going to continue with different refs, which might mean that the matches in and of themselves might feel a little bit different, might look a little bit different until these new refs either find their footing or until the existing refs are no longer locked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting because people fight for these things for reasons, right? And you might Mm -hmm. want your shot at refing a pro game like this, but in the long term, they're looking out for future refs too, not even just themselves. Anywho, that's clearly, no one knows where I stand on this issue. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, that marks the end of today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back in your feed with a new episode on Thursday. But in the meantime, you know what we always ask. Please rate, please review, please subscribe, please forward to a pal who might be interested in this from a labor perspective or otherwise. And this episode was edited by Savannah Held and executive produced by Ariana Prasad, D-Lab, Alessandra Puccio, and Lauren Tuscola. And again, I'm Steph Ratz. And I'm Ellen Hislop. And this has been The Gist of It. Have a great week. Enjoy all the MLB pants photos, maybe, perhaps. Enjoy Risa Tisa. Have you listened to that Risa Tisa podcast yet? No, what's this? Okay, it's a TikTok series that's a 50-part series called Who the F Did I Marry? Oh, my friend that everyone this and I didn't know. I could only get to part 12 and then I watched a summary, Mm -hmm. but she's a fantastic storyteller. It's just too many parts for me. 
Oh my gosh. So another recommendation from Ellen. Another recommendation. love those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, but we'll be back here. <laughs> we'll be back here Thursday after you listen to all 50 parts of that. <laughs>